Praise the Lord. You are listening to a word from the Lord, a radio and internet ministry of the Refuge Temple Church of Burlington, North Carolina. Refuge Temple Church is located in the heart of Burlington, NC at 152 North Main Street. Our pastor is Bishop Reginald J. Davis. Refuge Temple Church is a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, multicultural ministry ordained by Jesus Christ to serve him, his kingdom, and the community from Main Street to the world. We welcome you to join us now for anointed music and the word of God. Heaven smile upon you. Get your Bibles and go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. We're only reading one verse there, 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. And we'll begin reading at verse number 1. Thank you, Lord. Refuge Temple remains in consecration, asking everyone to please join us in fasting and praying. Thank you for those who joined us this week. We fasted on Wednesday and again on Saturday, and we were supposed to all come hungry today, all right? And so I'm not going to preach long because I'm between some of you and lunch, so <laughs> hallelujah, so I'm, I'm not going to be long, but I do have a word to share, all right, with you. I'm going to ask you again to join me in fasting. This week's focus was that personal relationship with the Lord. And I want us to move from there to, Lord, what will you have me to do? There's assignment, there's a work, there's something God wants you to do. And he wants to empower you for that work. And so I want you to join me once again on Wednesday in fasting on Wednesday. And then let's fast on Friday, all right? Wednesday and Friday of this week. Join us in fasting and prayer. And join us believing God for what we know that God is able to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, notice if you would, verse number 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to continue the thought that we started on last Sunday. It's time to clean up the church. Start with me. It's time to clean up the church. Start with me. Um, we spoke a little bit on last Sunday concerning the honest question of what was the challenge, or why is holiness rather a challenge for born-again believers who claim to love the Lord? And from a fleshly perspective, Many of us resist biblical holiness because we find ourselves caught between two extremes, um, one of self-righteousness and one of self-indulgence. Some of us fight with our flesh. We fight with our emotions. We fight to please our flesh and to please our emotions. And the end result is that we fall into sin. Because anytime you allow the flesh to dictate your life, to make your decisions and your choices, you're going to fall into sin. The other extreme is um, self-indulgence, me just doing me, me just carrying out me and doing what I want to do and forgetting the precepts of God, forgetting what God has declared, what God has said, and what God has demanded. And godly cleanliness 
ought to be the goal of every believer, and it must be the collective goal of the church. Anybody want to be clean before God? Hallelujah. Because, you know, I, I wonder sometimes, I wonder because it seems like it's such a challenge for some of us to even make the commitment of repentance. But it ought to be your goal that when God sees me, he sees me as blood-washed. He sees me as redeemed. He sees me as delivered from the power of darkness and living in the power of God. It ought to be the collective goal of the church, hallelujah, that I want the body of Christ to be clean. And, 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 and I want to branch this out that certainly I want to be clean. I want to be holy before God. But I want you to be holy before God, hallelujah. Nothing is as discouraging as trying your best to live right, and you find people that don't even seem to care about how they live, how they behave, what they say, what they do. It undermines sometimes even my desire. It undermines everyone's desire because I want to think that we're in this together. And that's why the Bible tells us to encourage one another, to strengthen each other, to edify each other. And so every now and again, you've got to just look at your neighbor, look at your friend, look at your brother and sister, and say, I'm pulling for you to live right. Hallelujah. I'm pulling for you to do the will of God. I'm pulling for you to serve God because when the church is clean, listen to me, God can move in our midst. The one thing I don't want the Lord to do is to have to move around people to get to somebody else. Hallelujah. I don't want the Lord to have to get past you or get past this one or that one to manifest himself, but I want to see God just flow. Hallelujah. No interruptions, no barriers, no, no, no breaks, just a flow of the presence of God. And imagine what would happen if all of us would present God a clean vessel. Say amen, somebody. Imagine what would happen if all of us would present God a clean vessel. Imagine what even this setting would be like today if everybody simply brought themselves into a mind that I'm here to please God. I'm here to worship. I'm here to receive from God. I'm here to honor God with everything that I have within me. And so it ought to, and it ought to be the goal, listen to me, of the entire body of Christ. I have been vexed. If y'all let me digress for a moment, I've been vexed by the shenanigans that I've seen play out on social media, people claiming to be bishops, people claiming to be this and that, apostles, and just living such raggedy lives. And, 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 and the bad part about it is it's being displayed for everybody to see. So what does that do for the sinner trying to find Christ? If somebody carries the title bishop, but yet they got this partner and that partner, and sometimes they sleep with men, and sometimes they sleep with women, what in the name of God does that do to the body of Christ? What does it do to people's credibility in the kingdom? We have an obligation, saints, to protect the name of the church, but more importantly, to protect the name of Jesus Christ. I, we, I haven't heard this song in years, but somebody said one time, don't let his name go down. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Don't let his name go down. What do you mean, pastor? When we don't live by the word, we bring down not only our own name, not only the name of the church, we bring down the name of Christ. We denigrate the name of Christ. And then we wonder why people don't take Christians seriously, because we don't take the integrity that God has given us to be a serious thing. You know, it's interesting that, and, and, and for the sheer issue of the word. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That if I live a less than righteous life, 
a less than sanctified life, a less than holy life, I jeopardize my seat in heaven. And if, and if heaven doesn't get you, hell has to be your portion. I know folk don't say that much anymore, but it's the truth. If heaven doesn't get you, hell's going to be your portion. But it's the goal of Jesus Christ in Ephesians 5 and 27 to present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And God, this is not news. This is not news. God has always insisted that people present themselves to him in a certain fashion. Now, I'm not talking about clothes, and I know some of us are formal and some of us are casual, but when you stand before God, what does your vessel look like? When you present yourself to God, what does he see? And, and please understand that God's vision is very different from my vision. I see the outward appearance. That's the limit, and unless I have discernment, that's the limit of my perception. But there's a God that sees beyond what man sees. And when God looks at us, what does he see? What are we presenting to God? What are we offering to God? I shared this the other day, that when the priest stood in the tabernacle, if they stood there unwashed, if they stood there unsanctified, they could be killed on the spot. And that's why outside of the tabernacle, there was a place for the, for the priest to bathe. And it wasn't just a physical bathing. It was symbolic of the spiritual bathing. And, you know, now people walk in church and they don't even pray before they start service. They just walk in and go to do whatever they're going to do. But we were taught, I'm being old school for a moment, that before you started singing, before you started preaching, before you started doing whatever it was, ushering on the door, you took time to consecrate your mind so I don't bring something dirty into the presence of God. I need to deal with me. I'm not talking about you. I need to deal with me before I come into God's presence. But now we sought to end with any attitude, any frame of mind, any kind of context, and just say, God, I'm here, so just receive it. But everybody, before you even took your seat, it should have been, Lord, if there's anything in my heart, deal with it today. If there's anything on my mind, deal with it today. If there's anything that will distract me from your presence, Lord, deal with it today. Because I don't want to be in your house unclean. I don't want to be in your presence unclean. That's why Psalmist said, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. He that have clean hands and a pure heart. In other words, it's not just enough that my heart is right because people tell you, well, my heart is right with God. But you know what? If your heart is clean, your hands are going to be clean also. What you mean, Bishop? That means not only is my heart right, but my activities, what I'm engaged in, what I'm touching in my life is also going to be clean. And God is not just looking at hearts. He's also looking at behavior. And our behavior has to reflect, reflect rather his righteousness. Well, let me deal with the text, and I'm going to move on. The cleansing elements of the church are the blood of Jesus. Anybody here been washed in the blood? Somebody say, thank God for the blood. The Holy Spirit cleaned us. When you repented of your sins, when you told the Lord that you were sorry, when you turned to him for salvation, his blood was available to cleanse you. 
Oh, hallelujah. And everybody ought to be thanking God right now for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing else in my life could have cleaned me but the blood. His sacrifice, his redemptive work on the cross of Calvary is the reason why I'm saved today. Oh, hallelujah. I don't care how long you've been saved. Every now and then you ought to open your mouth and thank God for the blood. Oh, hallelujah. When you know, And, and you know what? We don't like to thank God for the blood because we don't like looking back to where we came from from but guess what everybody in this house came from somewhere and if it was not for the blood we would have been lost somebody in this house open your mouth and thank God for the blood right now oh hallelujah but the cleansing work is not just the work of the blood it's the work of the Holy Spirit you know Jesus John prophesied and said that there's one coming after me who's mightier than I whose feet whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Now, the fire of the Holy Ghost is more than just getting happy. The fire of the Holy Ghost was to burn the chaff in your life. And some of us might claim the Holy Ghost, but we don't have any fire. You say, how can you say that, Bishop? Because nothing has been burned in our lives. If you've got the same attitude the same behaviors, the same mindset, the same mentality, the same um, things that hang you up and hold you back, then there's some fire missing in your life. Because anybody know that after the Holy Ghost gets through working on you, he starts dealing with your behavior? And if the Holy Ghost is not challenging you about your issues, he's not doing work. If the Holy Ghost is not con convicting you about something in your life that you know is not right, the Holy Ghost is not doing his job because the Holy Spirit is a teacher. Oh, my God. We have tried so hard to teach people how to live godly. I came to tell you I can teach you the word, but it takes the Holy Ghost to teach you how to live godly. It takes the Holy Ghost to teach you how to walk in the word. And then there's the word of God. And I said this a couple of times. I'll say it one more time. That holiness, to some extent, is just a matter of obeying the word. If you do what the Bible says, you will start living holy. You say, well, Bishop, I got a, I, I, I got a problem with my mouth. Do what the Bible says. If you don't know what to say, don't say anything. Hold your peace. Come on, somebody. Bible says there's iniquity in the multitude of words. Sometimes if you just say yes and no, you won't say nothing wrong. But when you start adding to it, embellishing, come on somebody, trying to make it sound more dramatic and more whatever, you end up drifting into insults, drifting into lies, come on somebody. When the Bible just simply said, let your yea be yea, your nay be nay. Obedience creates holiness just by obeying the word. But here's what I need you to understand. The cleansing elements of God, the blood, the Holy Spirit, the word, will not work against a person's individual will. We have told this lie too much in the church. He makes me live right. He makes me walk right. He makes me talk right. Well, if he made us, why do we still have fornicators in the church? If he made us, why do we still have people who speak in tongues but live homosexual lifestyles? If he made us, why do we have mean people when the Lord told us all to love? 
So obviously, the Lord is not making us. What is he doing, Bishop? He's empowering us to do it. But you have to embrace what God has given for you to live holy. Living holy is the will of God for every believer's life. But you have to embrace it. And you do it by repentance. Oh, God. That means being able to tell God that you're sorry. And your repentant work did not end, oh, my God, when you got the Holy Ghost. But if you're saved now and you're living right now, you're still repenting. Anybody still repenting? Oh, somebody be honest with me. I still do some stuff. That bothers the Lord. I still do some stuff that convicts me. And I'm so grateful that I can get on my knees and I can tell God I'm sorry. And the Bible says, Mother Ganey brought it out so beautifully in Sunday school this morning. He says that the sinner doesn't need an advocate. The sinner needs a savior. Hallelujah. The sinner needs a savior, but it's the believer that needs an advocate. You need somebody still speaking on your behalf, and that's why John said, I write that ye sin not. But if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Now, you can sit there like you've always done everything right, but since I got the Holy Ghost 45 years ago, I've needed an advocate to speak for me. Lord, he's trying, but he still got struggles. Lord, he's trying, but he's still fighting with the flesh. Lord, he's trying, but he still gets weak but thank God I've got an advocate I've got an advocate with the father but the Holy Ghost the blood the word will not work against your will tell somebody you can't be holy against your will hallelujah that's why if you don't want to be holy don't worry ain't nobody out there going to make you holy You've got to surrender your will to the will of God to be holy. So these repentance, surrender, obedience has to be engaged. And in essence, we have to clean ourselves. Tell somebody, you've got to clean yourself. Look at what the word says. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. Now, look at the word. Read with me. Present your bodies. Oh, God, present your bodies. When was the last time you laid yourself on the altar and said, God, have your way? Because God having his way is more than you just speaking in tongues. God having his way is more than you just getting happy and running around the church. You've got to literally lay yourself as the sacrifice because anybody here got some stuff that the Lord wanted from us, but we didn't want to give it up. Okay, I, I got four honest people in church. All right, anybody got some stuff that the Lord said, I need you to surrender and you did not want to give it up? You said, well, 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 if my heart is right, it's not supposed to hurt. Baby, your heart can be right, but it can still hurt. It hurts because there's a part of me. This is why sin is so challenging. Sin would not be challenging if we didn't like some sin. Ooh, God, I'm preaching hard today. And you can say all day long, you don't want it, you don't like it but there's something that you like. I've been fighting with my diet 
And one of the reasons why I was fighting with my diet was because there's some things that I like. And, you know, I didn't eat it every day, but Longhorn makes this thing called a chocolate stampede. Oh, my God. And, and it's not a slither of chocolate cake. It's about this big. All right, fill up the whole plate. And so I convinced myself, I convinced myself that if I buy it but don't eat it all at one time, that, that's kind of y'all, well, we're going to do this tonight, but we ain't going to do it tomorrow. That's what I told myself, that I could eat this chocolate cake and eat a spoonful today and then put it back in the refrigerator real quick before Charity or Geneva saw me. And I would hide it in the back of the refrigerator. Can I, I'm, I'm being transparent because some of y'all hiding more than chocolate cake. And as long as I eat it, eat it quick and nobody sees me, I'm okay. But there's something called an A1C. And A1C registers your sugar over a long period of time. Come on, somebody. And so you can do a little sin here and say, I'm going to leave it for later. But God is doing an A1C. And when God does the A1C, it's going to say, something got your sugar up. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. And what didn't happen yesterday? Because we think we can do and conceal. But when you are serious about living for God, you will bring that thing to the altar and say, I surrender it. I love it. I like it. I wish I could have it. But if it doesn't please you, God, I surrender it at the altar. Mm. Hebrews 12 and 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Now, I want you to read that text and see if you see Jesus anywhere in that text. It does not say that Jesus will lay it aside. It does not say that Jesus will pull it off of you. It does not say that Jesus will take it from you. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. What we're doing is stopping our progress spiritually. And when you understand this, this is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. That means there's some things that we have to simply take off, put down, put away, get rid of, cleanse ourselves of the filthiness of the flesh. Let's talk about that for a moment. The filthiness of the flesh is the result of each of us indulging and placating our flesh at the sacrifice of the will of God. I loved that chocolate cake at the sacrifice of my health. I know diabetics lose their limbs. I know diabetics have heart attacks. I know diabetics suffer from kidney failure. I know a diabetic can lead to all kinds of vision problems. All kinds of things come from that. But yet my love for that chocolate stampede was more important to me than my long-term health. And, and, and so I get it when what you love in the flesh 
is more important to you than pleasing God. Because until I realize every time I take it, I'm damaging myself. And every time you take stuff into your flesh that is not of God, you're doing damage to yourself. Mm. Carnal mind, Romans 8 and 7, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Your flesh wants what it wants, even at the cost of your relationship with God. Your flesh doesn't care about your ministry. Your flesh doesn't care about your calling. Your flesh doesn't care about your assignment. It just wants what it wants. That's why you can't negotiate with the flesh. You've got to kill the flesh. You can't bargain with the flesh. I'll do it today and leave it alone tomorrow. You've got to crucify the flesh. Whatever in me that is not like God, I've got to be willing to let go. And here's the hard part that we don't like to talk about. What you desire in the flesh, and the reason why it is so challenging is because what's in the flesh is in you. The dumbest thing we say is, I don't know where that came from. The quote, Minister Sean Johnson, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I don't know where that came from. I don't know how I did that. Came out of your flesh. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted of any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and enticed. The reason why we struggle in the flesh is because we maintain our fleshly appetites. Yes, I had to give up, oh my God, that chocolate cake and had to fall in love with strawberries. Come on, somebody. And I had to make strawberries in my mind look like chocolate cake. But if I'm going to live, I can't live indulging this body and indulging this appetite. And if you're going to please God, you have to realize, I've got to change my appetite. Oh, God. Somebody say, I've got to change my appetite. Oh, I want the wrong things. I, I, you know, I know this is hard preaching. I know y'all sitting here looking at me like I'm cross-eyed. But I want some things that are wrong. I desire some things that are not right for me. But yet, I'm pleading with God to help me change my appetite. Help me change my appetite. Otherwise, what I'm desiring will destroy me. That's the filthiness of the flesh. Jesus said it's not what goes into a man that defiles the man. It's what comes out of him. While you're trying to blame your environment, while you're trying to blame your friends, while you're trying to blame other people, the real challenge is that it's in you. Oh God, and you need it to come out of you. And it can't come out of you as long as you keep feeding your fleshly and negative desires. It can't, it, you, you can't give up smoking and you keep buying them. Come on, somebody. Even if you're buying one at a time, you can't, you can't give up, oh, God, lying and you keep opening your mouth. Sometimes you got to put yourself on a talking fast. Y'all ain't saying nothing. If you lie too much, just stop talking. If you stop talking and stop texting, you'll stop lying. But as long as you keep communicating, you have this desire to lie. So, God, until I get my mind together, Lord, help me to shut my mouth. Help me to shut my mouth. Because some of us lie every time we talk. How you know he lying? He talking. 
How you know? How you know? Some folk lie about nothing. We'll tell somebody, it's raining outside. Oh, I thought it was. No, you just like to lie. And that comes out of the filthiness of the flesh. Now, the filthiness of the spirit is deeper than the filthiness of the flesh. And is more pervasive. The filthiness of the flesh is the stuff that we do. The filthiness of the spirit is when we try to justify it with the word. And, 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 and it's one thing to be in sin. It's something else to deny the reality of your sin or to try to excuse your sin. That's why if I had to choose, and I don't want either one, but if I had to choose, I'd rather be a backslider than an apostate. Why is that? Because the backslider can always turn his heart back to God. Oh, God, y'all know the story of the prodigal son? When he came to himself, he got himself together and said, I'm going back to my father's house, and I'm saying I'm sorry for everything I've done. And you know what happened to the backslider? The Bible says that as he came and made his little speech of repentance to his father, his father said, put on, oh, God, the robe. Put on shoes on his feet. Kill the golden calf, because my son that was dead is now alive. I came to plead with every backslider that might be sitting or watching me today you can always come back to God until Jesus comes don't worry about what the church might say worry about what Jesus says and you can always come back because you know what some of us backslid from the church but some of us backslid right in the church oh God never missed a rehearsal Never missed a prayer meeting, never missed a Bible class, and we're dying on the inside. And then one day we were sitting there, and the Lord touched us right where we were. Nobody knew it, but the Lord reclaimed us, and the Lord restored us. I need somebody in here to be honest and say the Lord gave you another chance to just open your mouth and give God the glory. Yes, I've messed up. Yes, I've come short. But I'm thanking God right now for his grace. But when you become an apostate, and my time is up, I got to close. The Bible says your conscience is seared with a hot iron. The apostate will jump in the church and then jump in from bed to bed and never repent. The apostate will lie and cheat and steal and never repent and never turn their heart back to God. The apostate has done more damage in the body of Christ. Because how many people got messed up following an apostate? And they had an old saying that monkey see and monkey do. And monkey gets in trouble too. You better be careful trying to follow people that have no mind to live right. You better be careful hooking up with folk that have no mind to do the will of God. The Bible says evil communication corrupts good men. There are some folk I can't hang out with. There are some folk I can't run with. I don't care who calls them bishop. I can't get them in my circle because I'm trying to live right. I don't care who calls them missionary, who calls them evangelist. If your mind is not about living holy, I can't let your mess rub off on me. I'll pray for you. I'll love you. I'll try to help you, but I'm not going to hell with you. If you go to the lake, you 
Hallelujah. Oh God, Paul tells us to shun for pain, profane rather, and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. I'm so sick of this church telling folk that it doesn't matter how you live. I'm so sick of preachers excusing all kinds of deviltry, all kinds of ungodliness. If your preacher never talks about sin he's doing you a disservice if your church never preaches against unrighteousness it's doing a disservice yes I'd rather make you shout on Sunday yes I'd rather talk about high places coming down and valleys being exalted but I want us to make the rapture and because I want us to make the rapture some days I gotta talk about walking right. Some days I gotta talk about repentance. Some days I gotta bring it to the altar and say let's do our first work over again. Some days I have to call a solemn assembly and say Lord have mercy on your sons and on your daughters. Why? Because when the rapture comes I want to see you there. When Jesus comes I want to see you there when Jesus calls the dead out of the grave. I want us to be caught up. Is there anybody here that wants to make the rapture? I'm more concerned about the rapture than having a good time in the church. I'm more concerned about the rapture than just jumping and shouting when I get saved. I got something to dance about when I get real. I got something to shout about. Anybody here? Anybody here? Want to make the rapture? Shout hallelujah. We hope that you were blessed by this broadcast today. If you desire prayer or want more information about our church, please call us at 336-570-3664. Again, that's 336-570-3664. You can also go to our website for more information about our ministry at www.refugetemplenc.com. Again, that's www.refugetemplenc.com. Pastor Reginald and Lady Charity Davis and the Refuge Temple family would like to invite you to worship with us whenever you are in the Burlington area. If this ministry has blessed you, please write to us at P.O. Box 3552 Burlington NC 27215 that's P.O. Box 3552 Burlington NC 27215 or email us info at refugetemplenc.com that's info at refugetemplenc.com God bless you and until next time Shalom Shalom